Hey everyone, the Varsity Voice is brought to you by Cafe Saint-Tropez and Club La Cité. Stop by Cafe Saint-Tropez for a nutritious meal with friends or come to study and stay for their great food and electric atmosphere. Enjoy food ranging from their famous sandwiches, soups and salads to their delicious homemade carrot cake. Cafe Saint-Tropez always welcomes new and old customers looking for good eats, including many vegetarian and vegan options at their iconic downtown location. With comfortable decor and a cozy feel, Café Saint-Tropez is sure to become a favorite for anyone looking for a great meal. Café Saint-Tropez hopes to see you there soon. Hey everyone, welcome to the mailbag episode. So this is, uh, this is a concept of an episode that I've been wanting to do for a while. I'm a big fan of the podcasting world and Bill Simmons has his famous mailbag podcast and in a way to pay homage to it, but also because I think there's, you know, there's a lot of really interesting things that we can talk about that kind of go kind of all over the place. Like I was really interested into doing this. Also, I have two great producers that many people don't get to see behind the scenes. So I wanted to give them a chance to, for them to showcase themselves. So I'm joined today by Zach Lannis. Zach, say, say hello to the people. What's up, people? Very generous of you, know to let us hop on the platform here. It was very nice of you. I wasn't expecting it, to be honest, but we're here. Yeah, you guys are. And Maraid Shaw. Maraid, say hello to everybody. Hello. <laughs> All right, guys. What do you got for me? From Henry, do you have an NBA Finals prediction? Okay, so first, first off, shout out to Henry. He was our uh, team physio for three years. And like normally, the student, student physios, when they join our team, they only stay on for a year. But he had such a good relationship with all the guys. And... We did such a good job that he came back for another two or two, two to three years. I think it was three. Anyways, uh, finals prediction. So I'm going to go. I still think it's Warriors in the West because, you know, despite all the drama that's going on right now, when everyone's healthy and everyone's on the court, there's no one can really compete with them. And they have, you know, I, I really think adding DeMarcus Cousins, de- depending on how healthy he is, I think it's going to add a dimension to them that they're missing. Like, um, every, every, like, I feel like, it's about to get stale in terms of winning. They they've been winning so easily every single year that it's gonna they're they're all gonna get bored of winning. But now that they have Boogie, it's almost like they all want to get him a ring and have him play well. So they're kind of playing for him because he he's only making five million dollars a year and he's clearly overqualified to be making that when he's when he's healthy. So I think they want this to be like a redemption year for Boogie. Uh, so I think I think they'll put it together by the time playoffs comes around. And uh, I guess this is a homer pick, but be in careful the East, here, man. Yeah, but in the East, I'm going with the Raptors. I mean, you know, today, today as we record this, they're 21-5. They just beat the Sixers at home convincingly. They've beaten the they've beaten the Bucks. They've beaten uh, the Celtics. They've beaten the Warriors. That uh, they beat someone else who's the Nuggets. Oh, no, they LA. Like they lost the Nuggets, but they beat LA and LA. Yeah, they beat LA and LA. I mean, they're just they're just really really good. And like the the you know the the knock on the Raptors was that there's always LeBron. There's always LeBron. LeBron's not in the conference anymore. So that really, that's gonna really change. That's gonna really change things menta- mentally. Like, I think it was always like this monkey on their back that they that they couldn't knock, because they knew, no matter what they accomplished in the regular season, that when playoffs came around, you know, it was gonna be them versus LeBron. And I mean, that's kind of a that's a that's a tough that's a tough person to go against every single year. But that plus adding Kawhi, I mean, Kawhi is a top three player. Regardless. He's he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's um, he's he's insane. Like, but also I just think their team makes a lot more sense. Like they. They um, they play Pascal Siakam at the four and Ibaka at the five now. Who Zach Lowe declared the bandwagon is officially closed yesterday. Yeah. So yeah, he's awesome. I mean, he's so. But like, 
the things he does for, with his size and his his strength, like the way he just gets up and down the floor makes such a difference. But like, but the way they stagger uh, JV and Ibaka makes so much more sense because they. It, I mean, Ibaka is also having like a like a bounce back here. He was he was really terrible last year, and he's awesome this year. So I I I, I mean, the team just makes sense, and they're so deep. They're like 10, 11 guys deep. So yeah, so that would be my final prediction. Although I could see. You know, everybody loves the Bucks. I don't. I don't know what the big Bucks thing is. I just don't think this is the year for the Bucks. They're definitely going to end up, in my opinion, top four in the East, and maybe they make some noise in the playoffs, win around or something. But um, I just don't think this is their year to like make it to the conference finals. Giannis is arguably the best player in the East. It's him or Kawhi. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, him, yeah, him or Embiid. Embiid has put up like Shaq stats. So I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I just everybody loves Giannis, but I just think it. He's gonna run into a wall because he can't shoot. He's not willing to shoot shoot the ball. Like when teams, when playoffs comes around, teams have more time to prepare and game plan for stuff. And even though he's an athletic freak and he's like six ten, they're gonna find ways to throw different things at him and and slow him down. The, the encouraging thing for the Bucks is their new coach uh, Budenholzer from coaching Atlanta. I, I think was his last team. Atlanta, yeah, but a Spurs guy. Spurs guy, yeah. Coach, the the pop. I was gonna say the pop coach, disciple. Pop coach, yeah. Pop disciple. Um, yeah, I think. I think it's going to be really interesting in the East, but in the West, I still think like, I think it's really discouraging that Houston is struggling right now. That um, there's another, the Spurs are super mediocre. Yeah, the this Lakers kind of look good. They kind of look good. The problem is shooting though. Like they don't have they don't have consistent shooting. But they, but the good thing is they have LeBron James, so that never counts you out. But like I feel like it's going to get weird in the West. Like the Grizzlies are going to sustain themselves, or like the Clippers are going to do continue to do well. I think there's potential for like right now. I think the the Jazz are in the are the 14th place team in in the league, and they're clearly better than that. But they're not getting the job done any, every night. So it's it's gonna be really weird in the West. But I still think Golden State is like head and shoulders above everybody. Awesome. And to make a, a quick segue to put you on the spot here right now, make your Kawhi Leonard prediction. What's he doing in free agency this summer? Is he staying with the Raps or is he going out to LA like all the American rumors say? I think if they make the finals, he stays because ultimately he's being the way like if you watch the Raptors game, the way they talk about him on the broadcast is like he's Jesus Christ. You yeah, know? they love they, him. They love him. But but the people of Toronto are going to show him the love and admiration that he wants. And I think I think he just wants to be in a, in a stable situation where he can just play basketball and excel. Like the Spurs thing got toxic because he he had he had well this is what I think. So he had his injury. The doctors told him he was good. He didn't he didn't trust his body yet, and didn't want to go out there. So then his teammates called him out for not wanting to go out there, and and then the the relationship soiled from there. So I think I think it had once it had gotten soiled, it was it was done. But um, I just don't see I just don't see it going badly. Like their team is so good, and he's he's doing so well. I mean he's he's definitely an MVP candidate. So I I, I don't know. I feel like. I feel like he's gonna stay. I would I would say he stays. What what do you think? Honestly, when they first traded for him, I was uh I was a little more bullish like you are now, but now I'm kind of thinking even how great this season is going, I still think he leaves. I still think he goes to the Clippers. The Clippers have been really nice this year as a sort of similar to Toronto team if you remove Kawhi. A lot of depth, a lot of depth scoring. Um and it's funny, I actually kind of think that if they win the championship, which I know is a stretch with the Warriors. But if they win the championship, I think that weakens their case to keep him. No, because I, I agree. I agree. He comes out, wins a championship, you know, sort of regains his mantle as a no doubt top three, top four guy in the league. Mm-hmm. 
then he can go to LA, get some of his more American endorsement deals. But I'm a little, I'm a little unconfident right now. So is, is the case for him going to LA just because he's, he wants to go home? Is that the, is that the reason why you're, you're, you think he's going to go to the Clippers? Well, I still think the Clippers have a really like bright future. Doc's clearly sort of shrugged off those, you know, poor coaching accusations of the last past year. Maybe he was just dealing with some, uh, tough personalities and Griffin and obviously Chris Paul, Mm -hmm. but as much as I would love Kawhi to stay in, I don't think it's just about him going home. I just don't know if Toronto still represents a sort of enticing enough environment for a a guy like 27, 20 years old to commit to considering all the other circumstances. I think he's going to LA. I'm dubious of that just because you're talking about organizational like great organizational structure. And I think the Raptors are the prime example, are one of the prime examples of that in the league today. I mean, Masai Ujiri is one of the best. I mean, he, he's one of the best GMs in the league. I love Masai. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, the only thing to be concerned about is he clearly is very cutthroat when it comes to business decisions and the way that they shipped out DeMar. I mean, on paper, it's the right move to make. And, you know, you and me, you or me would, would want to do that move. But, you know, this is an actual person that he spends time with. He's been with the franchise for nine years, I believe. So, I don't know. I just think I think if you're going to make the argument that it's it's a better organization, like the organization is solid and, and and building towards the future, I just think I don't see what there's only, there's only a few situations that are better than the Raptors. And I, not that I don't think the Clippers are in a good place, but I I've, the Clippers could could fade out too. Like they don't really have a star. Tobias Harris has been great, but in the playoffs, stars win. And I, you know I don't know. I, I I think it's TBD, but I would say stay. So pivoting from this discussion about Kawhi staying with the Raptors or going back to L.A. and switching to university sports. Question from Zach. Uh, what do you think university sports can do to keep Canadian athletes at home as opposed to heading down to the NCAA? So this is, this is a great question. And I, I think we've already started to see government. I think it's governments that are trying to do their best to keep athletes at home. I don't know if you know about this, but recently like the Quebec government will give high-level athletes – a burs- bursaries for staying in Montreal when they have opportunities to to, to go down south. There's uh, one, one of my friends who plays on the women's team was telling me about this bursary. One of the rookies, she she accepted a, a bursary on the team, and it's because she had opportunities to go to the NCAA and and took on this you know scholarship award or whatever. So they're, so they're you know they're actually trying to tackle this because a lot of players, you know, it's it's enticing. Obviously, it's enticing to go pursue the dream. However, I will also say that I think university sports are only getting better and better here. And as that happens more and more, it'll become more and more, not normal, but people will, I think people will hold uh, Canadian sports and American sports in the same regard eventually, or, or not so much different. Because you know what we're seeing a lot, especially in, in men's basketball, is that a lot of the guys who go Division One will transfer back to Canadian schools and enjoy it so much more. I mean, my... You know, my teammate Alex, he he was miserable in American for three years and then transferred back to McGill and he's having the time of his life, you know? And it's one of those things where I, I always ask him, I say, I ask him, I'm like, man, do you do you regret it? Like, you could have come to McGill and been here for five years. Do you ever think about that? He, he says, you know, the journey, you learn a lot about yourself and it's not necessarily fun, but, you know, you, you grow as a person. But at the same time, you know, it could have been five years without that, you know, with, with, a, with a stable situation. So I don't know, I think... I think it's one of those things that might take care of itself. So in that respect, is it almost better to be a big fish in a smaller pond than a small fish in a bigger pond, right? You go to the States, you sort of blend in. There's so much university athletics. There's so much entertainment going on that you might 
sort of fall through the cracks, cracks, but you have a tremendous opportunity. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's just about fit. I don't think every person is, is the same in that sense. Like it depends on what you're searching for. It, are you searching for glory and, and, and you're trying to pursue athletics at the highest level? If that's the case, then yeah, that's for you. Are you, you know, it, it just depends on, on the situation. Like if I was, if I was going to go to a school like a mid-major or a low D1 and just just to do it, it's that's not the right reason because it could, it could not that it could I mean I'm saying this but every situation is different. I don't know. It could, it could go it could go poorly when you kind of have the comfort of knowing what is at home. And that and I think as what is at home gets more and more attractive. Yeah or or, or yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough question. It's a tough question. I don't know. It, I think it just depends on the person is what I would say. Another question from Alex. How would you define what it is to be the most valuable player of a professional sports league? Because this is one of the most contentious topics in sports. It's often let, left up to the sports writers to decide yeah. what they perceive as being most valuable. Yeah. Does, does a team have to make a pl- so, the playoffs for someone to win the MVP? So I, think, I think we just need to simplify the whole process. I think it's just be the best player on the best team, like like, I, I and 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 that might be more complicated because it's like oh what what does it mean to be the best player? But if if we just if we limit it to the best player on the best team, it makes everything a whole lot easier, and then it's going to incentivize winning more, which should be the most important thing in sports, especially professional sports. That's what I think. Look at that. There's, Zach is frowning and furrowing his brow. Well, because the, the, my only thing with that is is I think. Logically, you're correct, but my one thing that would always bring back is the Warriors, mm-hmm. the best team with unbelievable players. Right? Who's the best player on the team? I guess Kevin Durant, Steph right? Curry. Curry. Steph Curry is the best player on that team. So should Steph have been the MVP every year the last four years, yeah. barring was, injury, of course? But like, it, I just feel like that's yeah. too formulaic. It, it takes the the fun out of the debate right. almost. But but it, it's it's almost better that it's formulaic because then it then if you have a problem, you don't have a problem with the choice. You just have a problem with the formula. Do you know what I mean? So, th- so, I just, I just think it, it would simplify the process completely. It, it might not be the best, but I, th- I think you're then you put a premium on winning, and and, um, you know, the the only way for you to even get in consideration for this award is to be on the best team, the team with the best record. So I, th- I don't know. I think, I think that would work, and I think that would change how a lot of professional athletes would view the, the or how they would make their decisions in terms of the teams they would go on. Like, would you? You, I think you'd see a lot more sacrificing to be on great teams than people trying to get as much money as they could and play for a bad team and, and not make the playoffs and put up crazy numbers, you know? So, I don't know. I think, that, I think that's the way to do it. Debate that in the comments, guys. A hot take from the host <laughs> right there. <laughs> and it's kind of boring, I know, but I, th- I just think it would be easier. So, you talk about people considering more what teams they go to by this formula if you're the best player on the best team mm-hmm. it incentivizes you to go to the better to team, the better team yeah. yeah so beyond just the title of best player mm-hmm. like what's really the incentive there why would someone want to be named the best player like what actually comes with that i guess is my question mm. best player is kind of reductive anyways because the team matters so much right like you could be amazing but then if you're on a terrible team there are limits to how well you're going to perform yeah for sure i guess it's kind of the point I, I guess that's kind of the point i'm trying to make is that if we if we make it best player on best team then it will 
it will shift the focus to the team and, and I don't think we'll have a conversation about MVP as much because it's almost like a predetermined thing right like if let's say the Lakers win uh, 70 I mean they're not going to win 70 games but let's, games. sure 50 no let, they have to have the best record so let's say they win like like 63 games and then the Raptors lose like 15 straight I don't know I don't it's not going to happen but either of these things are not going to happen but it's clear that LeBron's the best player on the Lakers right that that's we, 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 there's no debate with that. The only team that's difficult, like you said, is the Warriors, but it, it would it would make the process easier, in my view, and prioritize winning. Keep saying the same things over and over again. But kind of let me let me throw that back at you there, because let's say the Lakers don't finish with the best record in the NBA. Okay. Let's say they finish as the two seed in the West, the okay. two or three seed in the West. LeBron's been unbelievable this season. Right, so and like he, it, it, he puts them on their He literally back will put them on their back. And if you make that argument, you, you could say LeBron should have won the MVP basically almost every year of his career since right. he left Cleveland the first time. But if the Lakers are like the third best team in the West, they're clearly not the best team in the league. Right. They win, let's say, around 55 games. But without LeBron, they would have won, what, 30 games? I mean, you're seeing it right now with Cleveland. Cleveland is terrible. Yeah. And, and it's His case should just team. be the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, yeah I mean... I guess, I guess if we're trying to fig, fix, it's like the Russell Westbrook problem from two years ago, right? So Russell Westbrook averages a triple double for a full season. It's the most, it's most amazing thing. Everybody goes crazy, but it's contentious, right? People don't want to necessarily vote for him. People thought Harden had a better season, or even Kawhi, because they factor in his defense, which is, uh, which is obviously important. But clearly, yeah, and team success too. I mean, I think, I think the. The Thunder were like fourth or a four or fifth seed, but it was post it was post Kevin Durant. Right? It was that first season post Durant. It was the first season, and Westbrook Durant. was on a shit show tear. Yeah, he. Oh, I mean, he was. I mean, he was killing. But at the same time, it was like it was abhorrently hunting stats. It was all about stats. So people voted for him, right? The next year, fast forward, he does it again, and nobody cares. Like, why is that? So now we have this blemish in, in 2016 where it's, it's 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 narrative, right? But it complicates things because now you feel, we feel like if we go back in history and we look at that MVP, we're like, we got it wrong. Should have been James Harden. You know, we got it wrong. Because how, how are you, how does it matter that in 2016 we care about the triple double in 2017, he does it again and nobody cares. It's, it, 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 that's why I'm kind of advocating for this is because there's so many points in history that we can look back. Frankly, one of Steve Nash's MVPs probably should have gone to Kobe. Like he was, he was insane in 2005, 2006. I think those are the two seasons that national. No, yeah, 2005, 2006. Was that the year Kobe averaged over 30? I think so. I mean, he went, he went on a tear, and, and there's a case that he deserved to have it too, you know? So, and, and, I'm, and I'm pretty, well, I don't know. I, I have to look at the records because maybe the Suns had the best record. <laughs> I don't know. But um, I just think, I, I think it's such a contentious thing in the basketball community, like who does, who, what the criteria is for MVP. If we make it simple, then we lose the debate. It's less fun obviously granted but it makes it more clear new year's is around the corner looking to go to the gym more often want to make sure you stick to that routine be sure to choose club la cite located at park and prince arthur whether you're interested in cardio weightlifting or swimming club la cite's facilities make it easy and fun to get in shape and be your best self with endless courses you're sure to find the right training regimen for you stop by today and tell them the bull and bear sent you Hit me with another question. Okay. An- another viewer, reader, listener okay. with a name pretty similar to your last name. Oh, okay. So uh, Josh wants to know if you could tell your story of how you got to McGill. So we know you're a Montreal guy. Yeah. 
but anything interesting happen along the way? You take any other schools into consideration? Yeah, so I actually have a pretty interesting route to get to me. I, I kind of wanted to, not wanted to share it, but I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's worth sharing, you know? So I went to high school in the U.S. I went to this prep school in Connecticut called the uh, Hoshka School, middle of nowhere, Connecticut, northwest Connecticut, and uh, re- really great school. But, uh, you know, basketball was good, but not great. I, I, I made the decision to go to a better school, to go to a great school. And, you know, the, so my junior year, at the end of my junior year, so junior summer, that's like a big AAU summer. Like, AAU is really big. The, your 11th, at the end of your 11th year, going into your 12th year, because that's where, that's kind of the last opportunity to play. So I had, a, so I played with a team from Montreal, had a really good summer, and um, had an offer from Columbia University in, uh, in New York City. And that was the school that kind of followed me the most. You know, I had other couple Patriot League schools, a, a couple Ivy League schools, but the one school, I mean, they would have two, one to two coaches at every single one of my AU games, every single time. I mean, texting me, calling me, you know, just always keeping up, right? Really putting in the work as recruiters to try to get me to go to their school. So after we went to Philadelphia and had, a, had like a great, I mean, it was a crazy run. Like AU basketball is crazy. The, the amount of games you play, it's, it's insane. I think we played 14 games in 14, in 14 days. Just like the sheer volume of games is insane. Anyway, so at the end, we're all bag tired, getting, getting our stuff together, and I get a call from the head coach. I, I, remember, I remember it very vividly. Like I'm at a pit stop in the middle of Pennsylvania, and I'm talking to this head coach, and he's telling me that he wants me on his team, and, and they want it's, the, like the it's the verbal offer. It's the big thing. So that was, so that was like a big deal for me at the time. Um, and, you know, I was, I was not sure about it. Like I was not, I was, you know, it's a, it's a big decision to decide to play Division One basketball. So I, I took my time with it. I, I went on the official visit. You know, that was a great experience. Got to meet the coaches, got to meet the players, see the university. I mean, it's, it's an incredible campus. If you've if you ever had a chance to go, definitely go. Go check it out because it's incredible. So, you know, three weeks later, I commit. I'm going to Columbia University. So this is September of my senior year. And so I start... So the process is the process for a lot of the athletes. So like all the American athletes, they were doing this. The guys that play different sports and, and the girls that play different sports. Once you committed, you were supposed to apply early to the school because the assumption was that you were going to get in because you are an athlete. You're committed. Like any school that wasn't Ivy, you would sign your national letter of intent, and then you would get that early admission. So the the way for the way it worked for Ivy is, is you would you would apply early and then receive what is called a likely letter. So this likely letter means that you have your, it's like you're likely to get in. Basically, it's telling you you're going to get in. So I applied. So they told me, the coaches told me not to apply early. They wanted me to continue to take SATs because uh, they thought I could do better at it. And, and, you know, I had great grades coming out of high school, but I I didn't test very well. So they kept making me test again. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is kind of weird, like, Everyone else is doing their, getting their likely letters or, or, or signing their letter of intent. But I, I just kind of went with it. You know, I was focused on, had my last year at, at Hotchkiss. I wanted to have a really good year. Was fo- had, a, had a bunch of things, juggling a bunch of things, wanted to just do that. So I didn't really think, pay too much mind to it. So, but that should have been the first sign that something was up. So, so go on to the, to the year. We start the year, I, I think the season starts in November in the U.S. So it starts in November. We're playing, we're playing, we're playing. We stop for for exams, but so it's different in, than now. Like 
during exams, we're practicing, we're still working out, we're still trying to stay in shape. But back then, once exam starts, you just stop. So I stopped playing basketball for like 10, like seven to 10 days. I haven't played a thing. And plus I was a little bit, I was bigger back, uh, back when I was 18. I, I think I weigh, I weigh like 225 now. I was 250 back then, I was, I was a big boy. So, so all, those, all that extra time plus working on school, trying to make sure my grades were good because I needed to make sure at least that was good. Uh, didn't touch a basketball. And we go to play in this tournament against a team, a really strong team. And the, so the, the head coach and the head assistant of Columbia go to see me play. It's like they're checking up on their players, see how they're progressing. And I was I, one of the worst games in my life, like one of the worst games in my life. And I just realized that, and, and then after that point, I started getting less and less communication from them. So going into December break, didn't really hear from them. You know, I, application was in January, so I w didn't really hear from them, didn't really hear from them. Got my application in, but I only applied to one place because I had committed there. Why would I apply anywhere else? So I apply, and I, I hear every now and then, hear every now and then. And it, you know, it gets to the point where I don't know if I'm getting, <laughs> if I'm getting in or not, because Columbia is a great school. And you know, my grades were good, but my, I didn't test well. So if I'm, if I'm just assuming that I'm a regular student, I don't have the profile to get into Columbia because my, great, my, my test scores aren't good enough. So I needed to know that I was going to get in to have that peace of mind, because otherwise, I didn't apply anywhere else, so I was kind of screwed. So I, I remember I had a call. I had a college advisor, and, I, and you know we worked. We had a good relationship, talked a lot, and he was like, he was like, man, you gotta like, you gotta figure this out because if you don't, if you don't find out you're getting in, you, you're probably not gonna get in, and then you're kind of stuck without, uh, you're not going to school next year. So, you know, luckily he, he's he was well connected, so he, so he was able to reach out to some other schools and apply late in the U.S. I, I remember. I think uh, I applied to like, I ended up applying to like 12 schools late and only, and I got into like three or four of them. I don't, I don't remember, but anyways, but like this all led to a conversation I had with the head coach late. Like we're talking February, like late February, like where people are starting to hear back. If you applied early, the head coach at Columbia. And he's basically like, you know, when we recruited you, we had in mind that you would be a tier A guy. So tier A in, in the Ivy League, the way the recruiting works is there's, there's different tiers or bands, band A, B, and C. So tier A students are the ones, the best, best students that you recruit who are athletes too. And tier C students are good, are decent, uh, decent students to good students, but the, the really high level athletes. So the way that coaches try to get their recruiting is they try to get as many tier A guys as they can so they can recruit more tier C and B guys. So I ended up being a tier B guy because my, my grades were really good, but I didn't test very well. So anyways, long story short, there, the whole assumption was that I would be a tier A person to come and get people in. So, so the, but that's not what they told me. What they told me is you would have a chance to play right away. We see this role for you, this, this, this. But the, the reality was is they would, were gonna treat me like as if I was a walk-on. And, and, and that, this coach waited until my like February 25th or 26th to tell me that that was my role and then I remember I remember this guy had the nerve to tell me oh if you still want to get in you know you you'd have preferred walk-on status and I'm just like I, I I said no to other schools to to you know commit to you and I was so I was so heartbroken and distraught so you know um, not immediately but pretty pretty quickly I decommitted from Columbia like right away <laughs> clearly it wasn't the right choice but um and then, and then, you know, we had March break, and I was starting to visit schools. I, vid I visited Middlebury in Vermont, 
really really awesome school d3 school their basketball team is good too but it was it was it resembled too much my uh my prep school so i did i didn't know about it i didn't know if i wanted to do it do it just because i feel i felt like after four years i would have gotten tired of living in a small town in vermont um and then i and then i came home from winter break and my au coach was texting me he was like what about mcgill and and just to just to back up a little bit mcgill was the first you know, Dave uh, was the first person to basically say, you should come to McGill. And this was 10th grade. Like, in my, in, when I was in 10th grade, he was the first person to tell me. Who's Dave? Dave is uh, my head coach. Dave is my head coach, sorry. Um, he was the first person to be like, you should come to McGill, blah, blah, blah. So he was, he was really in my ear. And at the time, I'm think, I, I was going to school in the U.S., so I'm thinking, oh, I'm not coming back home. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in the U.S. I'm going to study there. I'm going to play ball there. So, so my A coach is like, what about Miguel? Why don't you go give him a visit? And, and I said, you know, at this point, I need to figure my life out. So, yeah, let's, let's do it. Uh, visited. We actually met in this room. My mom, my dad, coach, and uh, his assistant at the time, JD. And they just told me, they're like, listen, we are a great program. We, have, we win a lot. You know, I don't know if you're going to play. And, and this, is, this is why I picked Miguel at the end is because I had been lied to so much over the process that – I, Dave was just so blunt, and he's he's kind of known for this. He's very blunt and 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 forward. But he just told me straight up, like, I don't know if you're gonna play a lot your first year, but you know your skill set fits with us. I see you playing a lot eventually. I don't know if it's your first year, but eventually, we have a great team. The guys here really, they're good people. You get the chance to study here. Uh, if you ever want to go pro, we'll we'll help you mold your game. And everything he told me has been true. And I, I just I just got the feeling that he was being honest with me at the time. And that's something that like I didn't get the feeling from anybody else. So yeah, so I I feel like the I think the McGill application was kind of later. You could apply in March. So I applied in March, made that one, got in, and was like, yeah, I'm coming. This is I, I don't want to deal with any more American American schools again. But um, yeah, it, it was kind of a it was kind of a crazy story. I remember my, my AU coach had dealt with all kinds of high major schools like Texas and Arizona State and Baylor. And he said that he had never dealt with a situation like me in terms of, you know, you think college basketball is super corrupt, but he said the most messed up recruiting situation was me with an Ivy League school. So, yeah, anyways, that's that. But I'm here and I've had a good, I've had a, I've had a great time. I, 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 you know, I often, I often think about like what life would have been had I gone to Columbia, because he still told me that he would he would get me into school, so I did pass up the opportunity to go to an Ivy League school to be here. But uh, yeah, the McGill of uh, New York, some like to call it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the McGill of New York. Yeah, I, I so I think about it often like would I would I have I've definitely gone out to the team and I would have worked my ass off and and I would have been fine. I'm sure I would have been a player on the team, but I just the it just you know I just I'm so comfortable with my decision now and I've. It's, it's one of those things, like, it's so hard to look back four years, five years from here and be like, oh, what would my life be like? Because it's almost, you have no footing to think about it. How, how, can you, how can you evaluate your life if you went to Queens or U of T? You don't know. The people around you would have been completely different Everything. people. Everything would have been different, right? So, so yeah, that's, that's my story. That's how I got here. Josh from Montreal, I assume. With a, with a similar last name. With a similar last name, <laughs> who probably knows the story. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess just like building off that, Noah, yeah. you're in your last year at McGill, right? Mm-hmm. On the basketball team. Mm-hmm. Do you, where do you see yourself going from here in terms of basketball? Are you going to pursue it more? You know, for the longest time, I had 
thought I was going to try to pursue it more. But this past summer, I watched two of my teammates from last year who who are graduating pursue uh, similar pursue the pro life too, and the difficulties that came with it, like finding an agent, you know, finding the right finding an agent who actually worked for you and, and get you stuff. I mean, you know, Delhi, who we had on the podcast, our, our our inaugural episode, he waited until October of this past year to get his contract and he started making calls and and getting and he signed his agent in like July so which and it's, it was the most confusing thing because this guy he's only paid if he gets if he gets a contract for Delhi so I never understood why he wasn't doing it earlier anyways but I'm at the I'm at the point where you know I'm I'm turning 24 soon I'm on the I'm getting pretty old but I have played a lot a lot of basketball in my life so I just feel like I feel like it's okay that it runs its course. I'm kind of excited for the next phase of my life um, in terms of what I'm going to do. So, you know, if if there's an opportunity to, to do anything with basketball after this year, that's awesome. I'll definitely explore it. But I'm, I don't think I'm going to be actively hunting it as, as those two guys were and just, you know, kind of get, get ready for the next phase of my life. So non-basketball-wise, then, okay. what do you think the next phase of your life would be? I think just working. Like... Just finding a job, you know. Relations concerning labor, possibly. Potentially, potentially. But I just, I think, I think I'm just ready to like have everything be new, you know. When, when you, the the grind of being on, like my university athletics experience has been such a grind. It's just you you play, you know. Our season is from August to mid March, and then you're working out all summer too. So it feels like you're never getting a break. So it's kind of felt like I've never gotten a real break for four or five years, and it, and. And it's it's it can be intense, you know. So, I just I honestly like it. It doesn't really matter what it is next year. I just want to do something different. I'm, I'm I'm excited for a new challenge. And then, so speaking of that intensity and closing out this uh, first mailbag with the question we usually end with. Uh, we, have, we have to turn the tables on you. Uh, <laughs> this is good. I like this. The revenge of the producer. Oh, this is good. You guys are killing me today. <laughs> what would you be doing if you weren't a student athlete at McGill? So I, I love this question. I love asking student athletes this when they come on just because I want to show how their interests and how, and how they, can, they can contribute more to student life here at McGill. I think honestly, I would dive more into music. I the more I think about it, like I, I grew up playing the guitar. I was in like a little band in eighth grade. We have there's a lot of embarrassing pictures. On what Facebook, was it called? You know, and and I loved it. I, I was good too. Like I got I got really good and I got really into it. But um, you know, ever basketball, I got better at basketball. So I kind of had to like it, it was one. It, it's one of those things like you can do both, but. You, it, you kind of lose it eventually. And I still, I mean, I still have a, a guitar in my apartment and I play every now and then, but like I, I get the itch to really like dive in because now I can play stuff and I, can, I, can, I can't read music, but there's like tablature, that's another way to read music. It's, it's very like informal online that like people can, who teach themselves how to play guitar, they read. But um, I feel like I've just t- told everybody what everyone already knows. But uh, like, like, it, like I just found like a Moses standing on Mount Sinai. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I'd dive more into music. I really want to learn how to play the piano. Like that's something that a lot of people learn growing up, but it's like I feel like every musician, like every song can be played on the piano. Somehow you can find a way to play it on the piano. And just to be really sick at piano would be awesome. Like there's so many like how many 
how many mo- how many James Bond movies have you seen a grand piano and there's some dude just killing it playing Beethoven's Fifth Symphony or something like that just crushing it I think I, that's something I want to do I mean I, I really really love music and listening to music and finding artists and, and, and different genres and stuff so I think you know playing my own music writing music I think I would really get into that world whether it be like I don't think it would be more formal than like joining a jazz band or like an orchestra but more like writing my own stuff having friends who also play music oh did we just make a band like that kind of thing so I think I think uh, you know I think that's where we're, we're taking sports out of this too right like because yeah. I still I mean I'm obviously super passionate about basketball so you know I'd probably be doing something like this too yeah I think music music would be the thing Thank you again for listening. This podcast is brought to you by The Bull and Bear. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find all episodes on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Varsity Voice is produced by Zach Lannis and Mairead Shaw. Until next time, support McGill Athletics.